Welcome to Equipped, a podcast by Connection Church. Equipped is a conversation about multiplying gospel community and fueling spiritual growth. We have one clear goal, to equip leaders to multiply. We want to help people follow Jesus, make disciples, lead small groups, and plant churches. My name is Jordan Thigpen, and I'll be leading you through today's conversation. Let's get equipped. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Equip. Today, I'm joined by Michael Page, pastor of Connection Church, Rinkin. Say hello, Michael. What's going on, guys? All right. Thanks for uh, joining me today, Michael. Today, we are going to be talking um, about, we're going to have another equipped conversation. And so uh, today, I want to talk about uh, your journey. I want our Connect Group leaders and the leaders of our church to hear your story um, and hear a little bit of your journey here with the Connection Network, and then also I want to I want to think through something that, uh, as I was riding over today, thinking about um, about what we could uh, talk about today, I really felt led towards a conversation around, around leadership, around raising up leaders, uh, around identifying future leaders, um, and so I have some, some questions I want to ask and kind of get into around that, but um, just in general, tell us, uh, tell my Connect Group leaders, tell Connection Church Statesboro, uh, tell anybody else that might randomly be listening into the podcast a little bit about you and your family and, and just whatever comes to mind with introducing yourself. All right. Um, I was raised right outside of Statesboro, so I know a majority of the people I would say may, that might be listening to this from our Statesboro location, but I um, went to, went to uh, Connection Church through college um, as, as I was going through uh, that stage of my life went to uh, left Statesboro for a while. Did took a ministry position up in Warner Robins. Came back to Statesboro. Met my wife uh, Savannah, and uh, we spent a couple of years at Connection in Statesboro. And then uh, felt the Lord leading us to plant a church. Uh, then we moved to Pooler and started uh, what is Connection Church Rinkin now. So right. um, it's been three names. So it's Connection Church Rinkin now. So man, this place is awesome. This yeah. is the what the work y'all put into this building. Um, at, that's that's really cool, and to see the the environment and the flow of the the atrium, all of that's really cool. But I, I think what drew me to wanting to talk a little bit about leadership today is because um, you have you have been in three different contexts. I think mm-hmm. Pooler, and then Savannah, and now Rinkin. Um, you have made you know I'm going to use big words on purpose. You've, you've made missiological decisions based off of the overall life of the church, right. both moving from um, Statesboro to even plant a church the first time in Pooler, and then Pooler going into Garden City, and then Garden City really, which Garden City is Savannah, going into Rinkin. And so um, what, was, what, what led you to want to plant a church in the first place? Uh, I, well, whenever we were in state, I guess I guess I left this part out in our introduction. But uh, whenever we were in Statesboro, after my wife and I, Savannah got married, um, uh, Billy Shiver asked us to, asked me to plant or to uh, plant a small group, more or less, to start a small group with, with a bunch of college guys. And so um, uh, maybe a couple of those guys are listening right now. Maybe you have some other things to say uh, rather than what I'm about to say. But <laughs> 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 but no, we had we had uh, we saw two or three guys 
in a small group, uh, multiplying to about 25 guys in our living room, living room every week. Um, just being able to meet with some of those guys one-on-one for discipleship, but also seeing that group, like true biblical, healthy community, uh, being started in a college context for us. Um, my wife and I was uh, were so um, just honored to see that the Lord use us in that aspect. And my wife was involved in many of those nights from um, making the guys' favorite meals and stu- different things like that. And so just watching God multiply disciples and multiply mm-hmm. a group. So we saw that group multiply and then multiply again um, out of that. And so just seeing God be faithful to that multiplication model mm-hmm. um, really just drove us um, and, and excited us to a point where we wanted to, I feel like that's kind of was God preparing us for that uh, church planning um, mindset and that heart to see um, not just uh, one group multiply, but eventually churches multiply. Mm-hmm. And so, because we believe that's, we, we stand behind that multiplication model um, because we've seen it work and it started in that, in that small group, that, that connect group context yeah. for us. So That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's back up a little bit um, because you have a lot of different skills, um, I would say. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I would say you have a lot of different skills. I think one thing from my from from my vantage point, when I in my, you know, little bit of time in ministry, being in, in a couple different places, um, I would say it's not always very common for somebody with a worship pastor gift set or a worship Men, a worship leading gift set to feel compelled to transition to another seat of leading, of casting vision, of preaching, of uh, a real burden for making disciples. Not that every worship pastor I've ever met doesn't have a burden for making disciples. That's not what I mean. Yeah. But just to be the point person for leadership, for going and starting a new church. Um, and so for you, um, you have made that that shift and that ministry seat uh, change. And so talk to me about um, what. when did multiplication begin to be a core value of ministry for you, and, and how did that become so important? Uh, I guess the seeds of it probably were planted in my heart um, in Warner Robins whenever I was coming out of that season of, of student ministry. Um, I, I was going through a time where I was more or less burnt out in a ministry role. Um, I was uh, I'd fallen into some sin. I was restored in different ways. And uh, a, a guy that went to the church that I was a member at at the time came alongside of me and asked me if I was interested in being discipled. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. I've heard about <laughs> it. And I'm, you know, I'm, uh, you know, and so I, I was able to meet with him. And what I realized was, the months prior to him coming to me and asking me that, I realized that he had come alongside of me in a very low season of my life and began to uh, take me on work trips or things that he was doing. I, he would he would invite me along in parts of his life that weren't normal, but he, as I was with him in those contexts, he was pouring into me, asking me questions about my faith, um, asking me about how the Lord was working in my heart and teaching me scripture, teaching me practical ways to follow Jesus. And I was and, I, and as he started asking me about discipleship, I realized what discipleship is, is life on life. And then towards the end of that relationship, he began pouring into me that now my calling is to go put that in someone else's heart and in someone else's life. And then one day, I remember very vividly, I was on the road, a road trip with him to Alabama. And he looked at me and says, it's time for you to go home. I was like, what do you mean go home? He said, I think your time here is done. And I was like, okay. And so that's when I moved back to Statesboro and started um, kind of rebuild my life a little bit around um, a 
calling that I feel like God had put on my heart. I just didn't, I didn't have the, the language or the uh, context to really put it into to words, I don't think. But I think when I got home and it was gotten involved in Connection again and started doing Connect groups, some of the things that he had put in me were multiplication. Taking what he had put in me and, and replicating it in someone else um, really um, took life. Those seeds began to kind of grow. Um, and as Brandon and Billy and some of these other guys that were pouring into me in my life, I started noticing as I was leading a connect group, those things started naturally coming out because of what um, that gentleman did with me and Warner Robbins. Wow. And so what I... Go ahead. No, I, I mean, it's just, it's inevitable, right? It's, yeah. an, it's an inevitability that you really, that's what I find in ministry so often is that people are giving away what they've received right. in the highest abundance, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, discipleship, and if, this is, you know, not to get too, like, lofty or philosophical, um, but everybody is multiplying. Yep. It's just a matter of what, right. what are they multiplying. That's right. And people are multiplying what's been sowed into right. them. Um, and sometimes, and, and obviously that's not always, people aren't multiplying good things. Right. You can multiply bad things. That's right. You can multiply hurt. You can multiply false teaching. You can mm-hmm. multiply um, uh, uh, whatever, whatever your philosophy of ministry, That's somebody has multiplied that into yep. you. And so specifically for us, what we... Um, as this podcast and really as the Connection Network want to multiply is the ability to make disciples one to two people at a time yep. and ability to, to I, I like to use the word student, mm-hmm. to be able to student under teacher Jesus sure. and what the rabbi is the word and what we see in the New Testament so frequently referring to Jesus as is to be able to know how am I studenting under Jesus and then how can I see somebody and want to take them on a student journey under teacher Jesus. And so, um, and, it, and we have now on this side of ministry, all these technical terms that we can use. We want to multiply, we yeah. want to make disciples right. and we want to reach the nations. And, yep. um, but I say, I say pastoral or preachy language, but it's, I mean, it's really just deeply biblical language. It's just something that in the normal world, people aren't super familiar with. Right. Um, and, but that's something that, uh, uh, you know, and I think for our listener, like, I want you to understand, like, that's a, that's a person whose name Michael didn't mention, but is by far had one of the biggest impacts in his life yeah. that has now been multiplied into a church. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what type of an impact you're going to make in the the consistent lunch meetings, the consistent coffee meetings, the consistent um, person, young man or young woman, um, old man, older woman being able to come and just see what's going on in your life and you're modeling for them your followership of Jesus. And so it's not it's not easy, but it's certainly not complicated either. Um, anything you'd add to that? No, I just think I, I, something I've, I've been told many times is like I think about multiplication in anything in life, like for anything in the species of animals, like if things that don't multiply die, right? And I was thinking about just a minute ago while you were talking about Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 it says you know what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also and so you Mm. see this constant investment in Timothy this constant investment in people's lives throughout scripture the the concept and the expectation was replication and multiplication Mm. pouring Mm. into other people so they could do the same in others lives it was never about a position or a title or a role Mm-hmm. But a but a message in a culture that got mm-hmm. multiplied. It's not about a 
a position or a message, but it's about or what? T- say that again. I'm it wasn't about it wasn't about position or role, or, or, role. Or, or authority. It was about a message. About it was about a message that yeah. was about being replicated out into people's lives. Mm-hmm. Man, that's good. That's really good. It's not. That's and I think for us, I think it's very. I don't know if it's very purely American of us or what it is, but it is that feeling of like, okay, now I there's something there's something about the internalization of saying of identifying as a disciple, taking yep. on that title of right. like, oh, I don't know if I can live up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't have to because right. Christ has lived up to that title for us, mm-hmm. um, and we lean into uh, obedience to our 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 great Master, right? right? And we we follow Him, um, and as we follow Him, He gives us these relational assignments. Mm-hmm. Hey, look at this person. You see this yeah. person? You see what's going on in their life? Why don't we lean into helping them follow me and living with eyes wide open to what um, God as our Father wants us to be doing here in the world? Right. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's powerful. It's not about a title or a role of authority, but it's about a message yeah. impacting people's lives. That's really, really good. I think if we go to that place of trying to uh, gain influence, I think because I think there's a positive aspect of gaining influence of people, obviously, because you have the permission to speak into their lives. But I think if we go out at trying to gain influence in a way that, that promotes ourselves, it causes more harm to the church than good, right? And, yeah. I, and I think we go to the place where uh, I look at, you know, John the Baptist where he said, you know, I must decrease so that he might increase. And I think that's kind of the concept of, of discipleship, replication, multiplication in the church has to go at because and I find most of the time whenever I'm in a discipleship relationship, either with the guys that I'm discipling right now or in the past, it was never me going and seeking uh, you know, low-hanging fruit. I mean, but in reality, that's what happened because God was already highlighting those people in my life. So I always kind of picture it as kind of God shining a spotlight on these people that he's already working in their lives, and he's calling me to come <laughs> alongside of what he's doing and work yeah. with them. So. That, that's always interesting is people, people that are at most actively making disciples and making such a big difference, they so often are looking around like, I mean, I feel like I barely did anything. Right. I really just kind of showed yeah. up, and God right. just did some stuff. Yeah, you know, that's, right. that's the if I've, had, if, if, if I've had any ministry success, if Michael, I'm sure you'd say the same thing. If you had any ministry success, it just was showing up in these relationships, and God just chooses yeah. to do something. Right. Yeah, it speaks to faithfulness for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that was something that somebody invested in you, and so then you got to um, the connection world, whether it was Vidalia or Statesboro. And um, started doing some ministry stuff multi- and showing up in leading small groups, and those th- seemed to go well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for sure for us, for for you know, I hope that our listeners, all of our connect group leaders, know that we still have connect group leaders that ha- are actively making a giant difference in our church. They serve, they lead connect groups because of their relationship with Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's still a huge difference being made there, and they're multiplying groups now and doing great. And so um, that's not a, a, a small thing in and of itself. But that fruitfulness and that eventually led you to think, okay, maybe God wants me to plant uh, a church. And so um, I, w- I want to hear that a little bit of, of what a, when, when did you, or so, so why Pooler initially, kind of getting back to that, um, you made a missiological choice, a choice for the sake of the mission, a choice for 
um, you and, and your family to engage with that work. So what were some of the things that you saw and what made you want to do that? Yeah, I've always thought and, and heard and felt, you know, when it comes to gospel ministry, of whether it's discipleship, church planning, whatever, because I think all those, those things play a very, uh, they're, they're closely related. Um, but just as simple as my wife and I go into Savannah and really pr- praying through our, our, our lives, we would go to, on dates and just go through Pooler and Savannah, the Savannah area. And the Lord began to kind of give us a, an affinity for that area, I guess. And I, I really began to see, like, look around and kind of study and like, because I, I believe we're called to take the gospel where it is and take it to where it's not fully known. right? Mm-hmm. And I believe that there were not a lot of churches that were doing what we did as Connection Church mm. in that area. And I believe um, just based on our own testimony, my wife and I's testimony, um, I, I knew that the people of that area needed what we received mm. and the, the faithfulness of the leadership at Connection, the faithfulness of that model of discipleship and mul- multiplication. And not that that's, that's a connection thing, more of, a, of just a true biblical picture of the church. And so... yeah. So we just felt like the Lord was kind of like putting that on our heart for a reason. And so we started just kind of pulling at that, pulling at that thread and just said, like, if this is where you want us to go, Lord, then we will do it. But you need to get in our way if you don't want us to do it. Yeah. So we began to just kind of take those st- faithful steps until um, here we are now. <laughs> so, well, why not Why not stay in the, the worship leader seat? Why not stay sort of in that in that support role? Yeah, I think for me with, with worship, I – People may say otherwise, but I just, I don't, I didn't see that as my gifting, but just some, some way I could be used, kind of doing what, uh, whatever I could, kind of see the mission carried out for me. I, I love to worship, I love leading worship, but, but something about seeing someone come to faith in Christ, seeing someone discipled, and then them, them stepping into a leadership role, for me, gave me life, because it made me feel like I was a part of the bigger mission of God, and not mm. just um, my own little world. Mm. Um, that's kind of where... Um, that you know that's a very simple answer, but that's just kind of how that played out in my heart and in my wife's heart because I, it's because it has it has nothing to do with our ability or our our <laughs> our, um, our knowledge because I, I feel like we're playing from behind a lot of times, but <laughs> I think it comes from I think it comes from just being available, and I think if I could speak into anything about what God's done through the worship and through pastoring now and through connect group leadership, it, it really speaks more of His faithfulness than to our ability or inability. And I think just making ourselves available for what he wanted to do is really mm. um, really proven to be true. Yeah, So yeah. I, I feel like, too, there's a sense, I, I would challenge our listeners as well, that um, <clears throat> there's a lot of need for a lot more ministry to be done, for sure, at Connection Church Statesboro, but there's an exponentially even greater need across all these different communities for new expressions of the gospel to be made available to communities. That's right. Um, There's something to the, the statistically, um, you know, through Christian data research, the, the number one way to reach, to reach lost people for, for people who are far from, from God to make a decision about who Jesus is and receive him as Lord and savior. The, the number one highest return on investment strategy is planting a new church in a community. Um, and we, I mean, we need more churches planted in Statesboro, but there's tons of communities that need a fresh expression of the gospel for, um, for, for, um, from people from like, not right. from, um, not from highly polished paid professionals, but from regular people like you and me that, right. that 
feel that burden to go and, and share um, the good news about about Jesus. And so, um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your story with that. And uh, thank you for being faithful to, to plant a church and to, and to listen. So what were some of the things that led for you, um, whether they be matters of, of wisdom and practicality or whether they be special moments where the Lord really spoke to you um, as far as moving from Pooler to Garden City and now to Rankin? Um, for, for us, uh, again, it was really the Lord directing our steps. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wish I had a, a ground shaking or like a, <laughs> you know, God shining down a light and saying, this is where you should go. But I think uh, one thing I think for us for moving to Pooler to Savannah was um, God used chaos and inconvenience to kind of funnel us to where he wanted us. Wow. Um, we, we began to see like... Um, you know, we, whenever we moved from the school we were meeting at in Pooler, um, there was we were not able to meet in the school anymore because of the Board of Education's policies, and so we were kind of left high and dry because we didn't really know where to go because we were a new church plant. We were eight months old, um, and so literally all we needed to do was pray and fast. So we prayed and fast for 21 days. Um, on the 24th day, our Savannah location in Garden City opened up, and while we were fasting, we were looking for buildings and, uh, and places to meet in Pooler because we were sure that God had called us to Pooler, but um, nothing was available that we could afford. Mm. And so then Savannah, there was a place that opened up for 25 cents a square foot. And oh. we were, <laughs> so we were able to meet there for uh, for the next four years. And I, and I asked myself, whenever we were moving to this current location in Rankin, where we now have a um, just a, a permanent facility here, uh, you know, one of the questions was asked, what legacy do, do are we supposed to be leaving in Garden City? And I think that question really took me to uh, to prayer because um, I really it took me a while to understand that God had moved us to Garden City, seemingly seemingly to the wilderness, because we were we had a really hard time reaching that community. Um, but I've I've learned, and I've, I think He's kind of confirmed this that He was building a church there, a foundation there um, of people who were willing to do whatever it took to see the mission of God completed. Mm-hmm. And so now as he began to build our church in Garden City, it was people from Rankin that he began to build it with. And so we took to prayer again and said, God, Lord, you, we see you building our church towards the Rankin area. Are you calling us to move again? Or are you calling us, what are you calling us to do? And I'm, this probably would need to be another podcast, but um, we ended up um, taking over a church in Rinkin and received 10 acres of land and a building for $10. Yeah. And so God really was faithful in, in seeing those those pieces put together and carried out in ways wow. that we can never even imagine. So, yeah. again, it was just us taking faithful steps, not really being able to see the, the next step, but just knowing the next one was the right one. Mm. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I, I mean— that's a that's a beautiful place to be to to be in a place where you're praying, God, what is my next step? And I, so that's I mean that's that's good. I, I think about what you said too. That's really powerful. Of that, you feel like them. So even I just think about man, that just makes so much pastoral sense now. Kind of putting those pieces together, that people in Rinkin it benefited them spiritually to have to drive all the way to garden city which i don't think is super 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 far 20 miles yeah but but they were but for the sake of the vision of that expression of the gospel they had to do something sacrificial and challenging that if they had to forego that step 
they wouldn't be as um, they wouldn't be as hardened in their will right. now for the That's mission yep. when, where now where it's home and it's comfortable and familiar. You know, um, I think that I think that messes up a lot of folks in Statesboro yeah. personally. Um, speaking, you know, I, I think and I and I feel empowered to speak on this because I have divorced parents. I moved like a lot as right. a kid and as a college student and then as a young uh, married person that that we moved a lot and so I saw the challenges of like one needing to be welcomed as an outsider and then two um, a lot of times the stumbling blocks for people in Christian community is the family community that they already had right. and thinking that they were already edified enough spiritually by um, their parents, their aunts and uncles, their grandparents, their extended family, their cousins, and they have no room for that Acts 2, 42 through 47 type right. community um, because, well, you know, I've, we, go, we go to here on Sundays and we do this during the week. And, you know, and so, and even things that are convenient, this is what's hard, you know, it's hard. Yeah. And it's hard now for us, like, being home and closer to family is that we so often take the needs that we have and we put them on our extended family without being vulnerable and transparent with those people who are in our life that God could use to make a difference in our life and we could be used to make a difference in their life. And so there's something to be really, there's something really special about that for you guys with Rinkin that they lived as sojourners for a season before going home. Right. So um, that's something. I mean, that we see that we see that really with I think of Israel, right, where they're being they're on a sojourn to Egypt, and God did something in them and planted something in them that prepared them before they were put into the promised land. And so, um, but yeah, so man, that's really it's, it's just a cool it's a cool journey. It's a cool story now to see how, like, like we were talking before the podcast about the way the church has grown since y'all got right. this permanent facility. But that heartbeat is so, it's so deeply tucked into the life of the church now yeah. that that's going to be a blessing to the DNA that's now set for all the new people that are going to come in and, right. and, and inherit that vision. So, man, that's great. Um, all right, cool. So I got something I wanted, I want to think through. So a mentor of mine, um, I want to talk to Michael about uh, leadership development because he's had to do this in three different contexts he's been through sort of this um, this process himself I would say every leader goes through this whether it was uh, it was this firmly constructed or this well laid out or if it was unintentional um, I, what I one of the things that I both coach our connect group leaders but the, the grid that I see leadership development through is I'm trying to find a fit person and I want to maul them. This is something that, that my mentor, Clint, really instilled into me. You want to find a fit person, and you want to maul them. Um, fit stands for faithful, intentional, and teachable. And then maul is M-A-W-L. You want to model, assist, watch, and lead. Um, and so um, I want to hear from you as, and, and sort of, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot with a lot of these, but when you think of a person that is faithful in the context of, spiritual leadership what does faithfulness look like in the local church as you've observed it man i think i just had a conversation this week with someone about this is like a lot of people come to church and i think they uh, I, I may have fallen in this whenever we planted in pooler i was like man you know 
we're planting churches now, and it's so cool to be a part of a church plan. I want to be a part of a, I want to do that. And, and I didn't know what I was, I didn't know what I was saying until I got in there and started planting a church, and I realized, man, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> um, but now that I'm in this context, watching people in some of those beginning stages of trying to be faithful to the Lord, just in the everyday life of leading themselves. I think that's the starting point of being able to lead themselves in a way where they're able to not be overwhelmed with life to a point where they actually have some life margin and equity to give to the church. Because hmm. I think sometimes we overexert ourselves in the culture that we live in and church becomes an add-on and it becomes something we just kind of are trying to balance whenever mm. we were called to really blend those things together. And so whenever someone is doing that well, I think that's the person you see and you're able to ask, Lord, how are you doing all this stuff so efficiently? And why are you, and how and why are you here all the time serving, um, giving of yourself, of your time, your treasure, your talent? Like, how are you able to do that? Well, the answer to that question is the Holy Spirit is working in them to blend their life with the culture of the church where they understand that church is not something that you do, it's something that you're a part of. And it's something that becomes a part of you once you follow Christ because you're his bride. Mm. And so in that fateful moment, that's that spotlight that I was referring to earlier. Mm. You start seeing that light shine on them because it's something that you're seeing in them that's being worked in them from outside themselves. Man. Man, I wow. I didn't I've never really thought about it like that of the that visual of like the I love the the wording of that of the blended life mm-hmm. where it's not uh, you're not balance. Balance implies like one thing needs to be equal to this other thing. That's right. Balance implies that these are two things that are equally important. But when it comes to the the bride of Christ, that's reserved for one institution. Right. That's the church. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only one institution ever given the the specific direct command to make disciples. Mm-hmm. And that's the church. Um, and so there there is nothing really on par with that as far as. But then for you to the language of faith that they're faithful in because it can sound it can sound so self-serving to say well you know if they're serving if they're giving if they're in a group if they're and you're marking off all the things that are feel could could be identified as really important metrics for us as leaders um, but actually it's an indicator of their own self-leadership and their own following of Jesus yep. And that's a that's what that metric there measures of faithfulness. Or when we talk about being a fit person, and that F standing for faithfulness, and ability to monitor your own soul and lead yourself in the yep. disciplines that give you life in Christ. Yeah, so um, and so that's that's a, a, a tremendous uh, mark. Where do you see people mess up on this? Where do you see uh, people struggle with faithfulness? How's that play out typically as you've seen in? Like, like you could look at a leader and say, man, they are kind of intentional with their time. Man, they are kind of teachable, but, man, they're just really not all that faithful. Yeah, I think a lot of times we – I mean, we've been doing it from the beginning of the time. We've, our, our goal sometimes – and we, we may not even know we're doing this, but we end up trying to – we produce counterfeit fruit sometimes mm-hmm. and trying to uh, obey the law, so to speak, instead of – being changed from the inside, allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way and submissive, being submissive to him. Mm. And we try to do the things, well, Michael said I need to serve. Michael said I need to give. Michael said I need to multiply a group. Michael said I need to lead a group, so I'm going to do those things so that I can be looked at as influential and 
part of the club, so to speak. Mm. And I think that person may be seemingly faithful and seemingly doing all the right things, but as a pastor, mm. as a leader, you're able to kind of see through that some, I think, because you're starting to see that that there may be fruit there, but it's kind of on some shaky ground. The foundation mm. of that is very flimsy. And most of the time you see those people balancing instead of blending. And it's not far it's not far down the road you start seeing those people starting to trip and dropping the things they're trying to balance. Mm. And so then you begin to see a lot of hurt coming into their life. And so whenever they don't have a position or they don't get the things that A plus B is supposed to equal they're confused because the mm. foundation there was not set in the right place. Mm. So the downfall, the flip side of, of faithful, what we're talking about is, is faithful in your self-leadership, faithful in your followership of Jesus. Yep. The downfall is when you have a misguided motive yep. and it was actually a, for your own benefit. That sounds like Acts chapter 5 to me. Right. That sounds like Ananias and Sapphira. Like, on the surface, if I were just to, d- to describe a, a, you know, the Christian service of somebody selling land right. and giving it to the church, you would say, wow, there's no way any of that could be wrong. Right. But it cost two people their life mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the story of the book of Acts because God was more interested in protect, pro- protecting the fidelity of what it meant to know and love and follow Jesus and for the foundation of his church to be built on true faithfulness to the person of Christ rather than a false perception of that followership. That's unfaithfulness. I think one of the things, we're in the book of Romans right now in church, and I think one of the things that really uh, put me on my, it, it, it made me sit down and kind of process what I just read. I was we're reading the first part of Romans where, where Paul is addressing the sin of the Gentiles, but also the religiosity of the Jews. And he's going in on the Jews, talking about, like, you're supposed to be the chosen people. You have the law. You're, um, you know, you were, you're, you're, you're looking at yourself as superior because you have the law and this religion, and, and God loves you, and you're the chosen people. But the way they were stewarding that law, the way they were being the counterfeit faithfulness that they were producing in their heart, God was looking at that, and they saw one of the things Paul said in verse 24 of chapter 2. He says, for as it is written, he's, he's quoting Isaiah 52, he says, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I read that, it took me back to, like, I had my mind just went back through my life about how many times have I followed God when my, the intention of my following God was really mm. self-gratification or oh, self-edification man. instead mm. of, seeing the mission carried out or seeing the mission move forward and seeing God exalted among the nations, right? Mm. And so that, that's the verse that came to mind whenever we were talking about this. Really, really, it's, it's still convicting me to this day. Mm. I think of the word that comes to mind is when faithfulness, and it's not just like, man, they keep declining on planning center yeah. or, oh, man, they just don't show up to this. Right. Um, it's not about, it's, it's, is trying to trace that back to the root. There is something revealing about selective faithfulness. Sure. Yeah. When you are very selective in what portions of God's mission that you're willing to participate in, it's because because this is where like I get concerned about people when they like make excuses for why they can't do stuff based off of their spiritual gifts, yeah. based off of their enneagram number, yeah. based off of a personality assessment where they're like, "Man, I 
I can't do that. That's not my gift. It's like, well, this is a need in the body. Right. Maybe you should trust that the Spirit is going to give you the right. gift that you need in order to meet the need for the glory of God. Um, not about, well, what if I look dumb? What if I fall on my face? <laughs> what if I look yeah. silly? Um, but yeah, do it. Mm-hmm. You should. Mm-hmm. Good. As Jocko would say, good. <laughs> good, yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. You're going to look stupid? Yeah. Good. good. God's going to get the glory. Right. Um, so that's uh, those are some, man, that's that's some, um, I appreciate you sharing that. That's a good perspective on faithfulness. Um, and I, and I, and it, and it inevitably, I think of so many people in our church that are so faithful that, that live this out. Um, it's really good. Um, what about intentional? So we're looking for fit people. What does it look like in your mind practically for a person to be, I find this is one of the harder ones for me to define exactly. It's like I can, I know it kind of when I see it, but having some wordage uh, put to it, maybe some stories around it. What does an intentional leader look like? I think about, I think about someone who is is thoughtful in that because I, I, I look at, you know, I, I look at the the definition of, of of intentional. It means to do something deliberately or on purpose. Um, and I think to do something deliberate or on purpose for me, um, that element of faithfulness has gotten down so deep in their heart that they're not doing something because a pastor has asked them to, but because they can see that need and they intentionally meet that need because they know it needs to be met, not because they're expected to meet it. Mm. And they are so bought into the mission of God, not necessarily just the church, but the mission of God in the church context, Mm. which they're in, they want to be a part of what God's doing in that place. And so they intentionally, deliberately, on purpose, are filling those roles. Mm. Um, Something you said a moment ago about serving, like, we always, you know, we have one of our value statements around serving is saved people serve people, and it mm-hmm. kind of sounds sounds almost manipulative. Maybe it is, I don't know, but because <laughs> we want people to serve. But um, but I think we always tell people in, in heart and soul. We say like, you know, you know, serving in the church is the starting point, not not the is a starting line, not the finish line. And you, we say usually if you're having a hard time serving once a month on a Sunday, you're probably struggling serving your family. You're probably struggling serving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and so, and so I think about intentionality is doing something deliberately and not obligatory. So let's put these pieces together because when we're talking, we're, what we're talking about is how do we invest in leaders? Yeah. And so okay. a, f- a faithful person might do it because someone else asks. Right. An intentional person does it because they know it needs to be yeah, done. Yeah, they can see it. Yeah. And so that, the way you unpack that, there's somebody that, that does it in, on purpose, um, that's, yeah, like an, an intentional an intentional per- person is beginning to, uh, is beginning to have a, their own sense of burden yeah. overall for the kingdom, right? They're having a burden for God's church. Um, that's really good, Michael. That's, that, that's the time we start, I think, that's when that light starts shining on people, I think, because... You start seeing that mission becoming. There's an ownership that's being taken place when someone's intentional. I think it's mm-hmm. become. It's not about what Michael or Jordan says about the mission of God. It's about what they've experienced personally about the mission of God. Yeah. And the conviction that that carries for yeah. them. Yeah. An intentional person. Um, <clears throat> the what comes to mind is, so they're they're beginning to um, they're beginning to 
um, structure their life. So I was thinking about this while you were talking the, the, uh, and unpacking intentional. Um, so a, a, faith, a faithful person hears needs and they, they step in and begin to serve and meet those needs. An intentional person seems to begin to have a sense of focus about where they can make the biggest difference yeah. and they, they are strategic with their yes and they're strategic with their no. Um, they because faith I think of like head heart and hands a faithful person typically seems to manifest themselves in the way that they serve with their hands yeah. but now an intentional person is beginning to um, be very fo- a lot more focused with their hands to say uh, if I if I need to prioritize what I put my hands to because um, God has uh, has created and gifted me for a purpose. And I need to be strategic about that purpose, yeah. about participating in that purpose. Yeah. Um, and so how, what's the pitfall of that in your mind? As I've kind of expressed that a little bit of like, if, if you see a person, so like I feel like you kind of alluded to this one, like where a person could be so busy serving in so many different ways, but their home life could be suffering. Uh, what are other ways that like a person – um, what's the flip side of, un- of of intentional, or what's it look like to be unintentional? I think, well, as you were talking, I think that, I think an intentional person most of the time are, is going to be faithful, but a faithful person might not always be intentional. Yeah. Um, and I think the flip side of in- being intentional, I, I, I think that, again, going back to that first part of faithfulness is trying to go about that in your because I think there's a way of anticipating things. I think that's the characteristic of being intentional is being able to anticipate needs, anticipate um, a direction of mm-hmm. where we need to be going, uh, being able to carry that grit, like that doing whatever it takes to see the mission carried out um, aspect of, of the mission. But I, I think it all comes back to that always trying to balance my desires versus God's desires, my, uh, my intentions versus God's intentions. Um, I think because you can be intentional, you can be intentional in a very bad way sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, and I think the motivations behind your intentionality is is always going to be what determines the um, the outcome, but also the um, maybe even some of the faithfulness that that people begin to see. So I think a person can sw- can swerve too far into one ditch of being faithful to too many things. Yeah, that's that's that's. That's still being unintentional. That you could fail to be intentional by being faithful to too many things, but I think the other ditch is entitled. I Uh, think you you can feel a little too like you'll you'll be a little too liberal with your no, a little too like, well, I don't know if that's my thing or not. Not what I'm called to. Yeah, it's not what I'm called. Weaponizing calling, um, weaponizing your gifts, but feeling entitled to. And it's 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 not a very concrete thing. It's not exactly a super concrete thing that's easy to point to, but um, there is something about the way that the what people protect with their no, what they say no to, what they what they say I don't have time for, can help you as a leader determine how, where they're at in their journey, right. and that that's centered around intentionality. Yeah. Uh, what are they intentional in protecting? And so for, for us, we're talking about spiritual leadership. And so are they intentional about the things of God? Are they intentional about their spiritual life? Are they intentional about 
the discipleship relationships that God has entrusted. For example, do they consistently cancel on their meetings with people that are for the purposes of discipleship, but they're never going to miss a social yeah. outing, or they're, or even like they're they're they're. Um, man, there's so many other examples that I don't know that I want to say into a microphone out of fear of <laughs> not it being recorded. Pass me recorded. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, so that, that's, that's a little bit of intentionality. But now, um, teachability. This one probably would be a lot easier, a little bit more sure. concrete. But yeah. what is a, what's, a, what's a teachable person look like um, for you when you think about spiritual leadership? Um, I think uh, humble. Mm. I think humility is the bedrock of teachability. I think that and if we ever get to a point where we're not teachable at any stage of our life, that, that we are uh, bound for a fall of some sort. Um, I think whenever I'm looking for a leader, um, teachability is top. I think, well, I guess these three, this, this FIT acronym is, is a great example for, for teachability. Someone who is eager to learn, um, who knows they don't have the complete knowledge of, of what it looks like to lead a group or to make a disciple um, who who kind of postures themselves as a learner? Um, I I know that I can work with that person. I know that I could. I know that I can create in that person what God is trying to do. It's it's, it's like a lump of clay that you're like, yes, this is great. Yeah. Um, that, that humility and, I, and it's almost like as a leader, it's very it's very tempting to <laughs> jump head first. Like I got this is great and like there's not many of these people, so I need to like yeah. latch on to this guy, you know. But um. <laughs> I think about you remember the interview we have with the guy that wanted to be a part of the network that <laughs> yes. that was uh yes. you know it's sad it's yeah. sad but it made him fundamentally repulsive right to us as a network yeah. because in talking to him if I were in general to say hey a, a, a pastor that has planted multiple churches yep. that's a seasoned leader that's moving to the area that appreciates our our mission, vision, and values, you would say, man, that sounds great. Yeah. No way that leader could, right. could go wrong. Yeah. But from a teachability standpoint, when we got on the call with him, he talks to Brandon, <laughs> the founding pastor of all Connection Churches, and says, you know, what you have as a vision statement is not really a vision statement. That's more of a <laughs> – and we were like, no, nah, we're – we're good. Yeah, we're not. Right. We're not going to do this right yeah. now because that's just not who we are right. as a network. We, one of our hallmarks as a network is transparency and yeah. authenticity, mm-hmm. and we're not going to overly professionalize who we are. But and and that's not just because we want to wear like jeans and dry fit polos. It's because yeah. we value being teachable followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. To that to me that that to me that's part of. I feel like the Spirit just put this on my mind to say, like, that's part of what it means to be above reproach. Yeah, I agree. To be approachable Mm -hmm. means that I can always be above reproach because there's nothing people can bring into my life as an accusation or um, there's there's not going to be some accusation of pride or of arrogance. Um, but to, to have that teachable, like that, it just, it's interesting. I don't know. I'm sure you've experienced this too. Like, I'm sure when you met with Patrick, you were like, that guy, he could yeah, do it for sure. You know, or there's there's people all the time. There's people in our in my church right now that I as I interact with them, I'm like they could do it. Yeah, they that's could. True. They could go plant a church. And same's true for connect group leaders. Sometimes there's a little bit of like, all right, I, I, I have to slow myself down. Teachability to me is the one that it's like it's the trait that people shake hands with. It's like yeah. one of the first things you can notice yeah. about them 
But then you got to kind of work backwards and see: Are they faithful? Are they intentional? Intentional is usually the one that you you that yeah. you have to dig for to me yeah. and from my yeah. vantage point. But yeah, teachable is definitely the most attractive for me because, like like you, I was about to say, like if you have to work backwards, most of the time you kind of take back that layer of teachability in someone's life. You're you're able to see if they're intentional with their schedule, and a lot of times a person who is teachable and when it comes to a connect group leader, a disciple maker, or whatever, um, and they're not intentional with their schedule, do they have the capacity to lead, the capacity to make disciples? Have they scheduled discipleship out of their life? Mm. And that, that gets, and it moves down to faithfulness. Most of the time, those people aren't faithful because they are so busy. And so, but that teachability is kind of like the doorway for me when it comes to raising up disciples and church planners and connect group leaders and all that. And so, I, it, teachability is the is the kind of the beacon for me because it, it promotes that a humble person. Um, if somebody comes to me and says, "Hey, um, if you need a, if you ever need a," when I first started, you know, within the, in planning a church, I'd have people come up and say, "Hey, listen, you know, I, I'm here for you. I know this is hard. If you ever need something, let me know." <laughs> like posturing themselves in a way that's, you know, I've like kind of a, I'll be your mentor, mm. kind of a thing. And so I, while I need that, right, but at the same time, that that teachability was not there to kind of create a mm-hmm. a, a moment of leadership was what they were really after, right? right. So. I think that's a that's a moment of, of of understanding what teachability truly is, and I think it starts in humility. That's what kind of promotes growth and intentionality. We need to do a whole other podcast on another subject around, like, um, pastoral authority. Yeah. Of the role of a pastor in people's lives, I think, I do think that's like a unintended hiccup in our overall culture and strategy because we try to lead with authenticity and transparency is that people don't know what to expect from pastors. Um, and especially cause a lot of our guys are young. Um, but you said something that we'll, we'll have to do that in another place, another time, but that you made a comment that was, is really like seared into my brain of people can schedule discipleship out of their life. They can over schedule their lives to the point where there's no room for discipleship. What are some good things that people put into their calendar that they schedule out discipleship? I think probably the low-hanging fruit here is uh, sports mm-hmm. for kids. They idolize their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they believe their child's going to be the next Ronald Kenya, maybe. Mm. <laughs> One of the things that I know... Um, I can't remember the percentages, but I think a pastor said it like, you know, only a, a very low percentage of people are going to make it to be a pro- professional baseball player, but 100% of people are going to stand before God one day mm. and have to give an account for their life. And how much time and emphasis do I put in discipling my children? Mm. over? Because I, I, this is another podcast, another subject, but I'll just touch on it. But we spend so much time trying to give our kids what we didn't have that we take away the aspect that the greatest aspect they need from us and that's discipleship discipling our kids discipling our families Mm. um, to be disciple makers Um, I I think it also speaks to our perception of discipleship right where we have if 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 the primary portion of our diet if we are if we are fasting from the things of the Lord for six days out of the week, and the only spiritual food we eat is on Sunday morning, then the rest of the week we're just 
we're hungry but surviving, right. and then we come back for the family meal on Sunday. Then, of course, throughout the week, we're not going to see the small moments as moments worthy of discipleship. Right. We're going to schedule discipleship as an event. Yep. We're going to wait for, well, we need to have a, we need to go to a conference. Well, we need yep. to go to it on a trip. We need to uh, go to this new challenge or uh, this new class, or we're going to make discipleship about a, an event that we need to partake in versus a lifestyle that we embody. That's right. Bath time is a part of discipleship. Right. Bedtime is a part of discipleship. Meals are a part of discipleship. Car rides are a part of discipleship. I mean, that's what's so cool about the KK material. Yeah. If we as parents would actually take the time to look at it right. and read, like right. what Orange puts together for us um, anyway, that there's like, hey, when you're riding in the car, ask this question. That's a layup. Right. That's a discipleship layup right yeah. there versus like, needing to hit a home run every time you're at the plate. Let me go ahead and mix all my sports metaphors. Yeah. Um, but that that's the expectation, right? Yeah. And we, we misunderstand discipleship. Like, And I get it. I, f- I felt it yesterday. I, we're sitting at the table. We're like 30 minutes from Connect Group. We're 30 minutes from everybody piling into our house. You know, there's a lot to worry about. And we haven't even finished eating dinner and cleaning up the kitchen. And McClendon looks at me and says, she says, uh, I think I'm really close to wanting to be a follower of Jesus. And I'm like, (laughs) and in my head, I'm like counting the time of like, is she just like, is she being a seven-year-old and just like wanting to say something that she hears all the time? Or is this a, is this a Jesus moment? Is this a moment right here that I, and so we like, we dug into the conversation, but like everything, and, 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 you know, everything in me wanted to say, oh, she's just playing. Right. You know, she's just repeating something she's heard, you know. But, like, that was a discipleship moment. Right. And that's and – and I'm highlighting that for us as as on this podcast because I felt the impulse to just dismiss it right. and to not – and to just say, well, honey, we need – well, let's talk about it later. I need to clean up dinner. Yeah. Well, we can we can forget all that. We're right. going to – we're going to – we're going to be here. Yeah. Um, so – um, I don't know how we got there, but teachability. So, um, any what are some ways that 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 people with teachability that it stands out as as a uh, as a what's the inversion of that of um, of of prideful or not teachable? What are some ways that that stands out that you've seen? I have. There's. A, I think a lot of times it comes into the form of. I've had a few people. Uh, come express interest. And I, I think I'm gifted to be an elder. I've, I've gifted to teach. And is that is that where you're going with this? Like, I, cause, sure. Because I, I mean, think some of the, some of the things that people kind of come in with is, you know, I, I'm gifted to teach, but I've I'm not even I, I've only been here two weeks, or I've yeah I haven't even served in a church at all. Haven't right. even opened the door for anyone. And so <laughs> one of the things Brandon um, has put into us was like, you know, from the parking lot to the pulpit, you're going to hear the gospel. And so if you're not in at our church, we say this all the time. But if you're not willing to clean a toilet, you're not going to preach. Like, yeah. there's a has to, has to be a willingness and a, a teachability, and a, like I said before, a humility to be able to um, step in some of those roles. And I think influence is influence is earned, and I think um, not not given always. And I yes. think a lot of times that um, being teachable, people know that lesson if they're teachable. They know that concept because they're understanding that. For me to be able to 
gain influence, to, to lead people, to, to continue to be faithful, to continue to um, see fruit produced in my life, I need someone pouring into me. I need someone mm-hmm. alongside of me to rub shoulders because the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. I need someone to sharpen me always because mm-hmm. the moment that I think I'm at the top of the pack or I have the sharper sword or I'm the sharpest tool is the moment that I'm setting myself up to fail. Mm. And I think there's a lot of people in the church, whether it's connected leaders, pastors, elders, leaders of any kind, people that are not teachable, the people that feel like they have got it all together and they've they've won the world of leadership, they're in a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. And they have more potential to hurt the church than to lead the church. Mm. And I think there's no way around that. Mm. That is so good, man. That's so good that... <laughs> I, I wish I could, man, I wish 21-year-old me could have heard that, that, like, that again, weaponizing spiritual gifts for for uh, weaponizing your own calling. Um, those are all great examples. Um, yeah, I, I wish I could just give 21-year-old me the advice of, like, yeah, no one enjoys cleaning the toilets, right. but it's the price that you pay to be yeah. teachable. Yeah. Um, and two, I, I think of, teachability is the price of influence like you said Mm -hmm. like i thought that was so good that because inevitably leadership is an art it's not a science that's right and so to have the the art of it is okay well even though this worked on so and so in the past in order to have influence with this person i've got to to be teachable in this moment to learn how to lead them differently and lead them better versus science says well if I lead this way, it should have this result. And when it doesn't, it must be the other person's fault. Mm-hmm. So that's not teachability. Right. Um, all right, real quickly. So look, talking about, um, so what, what, what the acronym that I inherited from my mentor, um, when you find a fit person, somebody who's faithful, intentional, teachable, um, the question is, what do you do with them now? Mm-hmm. And so often he would in, instill in me, you need to, you need to maul them. You need to, mo- you need to model the ministry that you want to see. They just need to come and see. It's the it's the I do, you watch, then the assist, I do, you help. The watch is you do, I help, and then leave is you do, I leave. Mm-hmm. And so um, how does that, what does that look like at Connection Rankin for you guys? Of What are ways that you set things up to maul people? I think for us, um, especially with leader, well, I would just, I'll just use Connect Group Leadership, but also... Um, I'll take this two ways, connect group leadership, but then also <clears throat> discipleship because um, we've, we've just rolled out a um, discipleship model, Quit Pathways, um, where we are trying to see healthy disciples equipped to make other disciples because multiplication, the model here is to multiply yourself, multiply groups, multiply churches. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the concept that we keep pushing out to people. And, and the, the way that we do this in our Equip Pathways is – uh, we, we take it down to um, where are you at in that pathway because we don't think everybody's at the same spot. Yeah. And so as we start seeing um, kind of that fit person rise to the top, um, we're taking them along this pathway, taking them from where they're at to where God's kind of leading them to be. Very intentionally with the equipped pathway, when it comes to connect group leadership or discipleship, our goal is, is kind of like that, that MAL acronym is to um, begin to focus our attention on them uh, more so than the rest of the flock necessarily so that we're able to equip them to lead because equipping them to follow Jesus, it's a little more intentional 
to equip them to lead others who are following Jesus, right? So those are two different things. And so I think kind of some of the pipelines that we have actually here is that lead yourself, lead others, lead leaders, then lead the church. Everybody's not going to get to that lead the church aspect, but I, I hope that we will always have people who are leading others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think whenever we have that person that's fit, that's faithful, intentional, and that is teachable, my goal was to take that person and put everything I know, which is not a ton, but everything I know into that person so that they can do what I do and more. Mm-hmm. Um, because most of the time I've learned that people that God has put in my life are that are that are fit, they are far more gifted than me, and I'm just called to be faithful to see them equipped to do what I'm doing and more. Yeah, and so that's good, man. I, I think you're selling yourself short, but that's a that's a that's a that is a tried and true and fail safe approach. Yeah. Is if you care deeply about the success of other people, that's good leadership. If you can if you can care more and be determined to make other people more successful than yourself, that's a that's good leadership. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a quote I was gonna share. Um, I, I can't remember exactly who said it. I think it was uh, the Moravian missionaries, one of the guys in Nicholas von Zinzerdorf, I think his name mm-hmm. was. He said to to preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Mm-hmm. And I think as we, when I first started planting a church, I'll be honest with you, like part of my motivation was to plant the next Connection Church, Statesboro. Oh, yeah. Right? Connected, plant the next big thing in Savannah. They don't know what it's about. We're about to show them, you know. We had that, that misplaced mindset. And I think going from Pooler to Savannah to now ranking, God has like dulled that arrogance in me <laughs> to a point where <laughs> it's gotten to be more, more humble where like that preach the gospel, die and be forgotten has kind of become my mindset of, of leadership because, I, and that's what I try to put in people that I meet with. Like, it's not about you. It's not about right. your gifts. It's not about your talents. It's not even about your goals and your aspirations and your vision, right? It's about your faithfulness mm-hmm. and it's about your faithfulness to raise up disciples who love Jesus relentlessly mm-hmm. to see the mission carried out, not your vision. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I personally, I fear all the time that one of the great hindrances to multiplication at Connection Church Statesboro is the size of our church. Right. The and the perceived success of our church. Um, consistently, when I when I talk to people, they their their idea is that like one everything that we're already doing, you don't need me. Right. It's already going so good. Right. Or there's no way I could be used to help do something like this yeah. because the the perception is that, like, if it's not this, then it's not anything. Yeah. When actually the national average, the, the normal-sized church in North America, not talking about the world, just North right. America, right. the normal-sized church is 50 people. That's the normal-sized church. Yeah. So this, this church, Rankin, is, what, six times larger than the normal church? Right. And so, and then Stu, you know, I, I know all the, the, the reality of life and, and for you, just because we talk a lot is, yeah, we need more staff. Yeah, we need more volunteers. Right. But you know what? That's true of Connection Church Statesboro. Sure. We are like, we are like severely under volunteered right now. Um, like, I think there's a huge portion of our church that has been that's in attendance, but have been in attendance for less than a year. So the vision, the mission, 
the who we are, why we do what we do, it's all new. Yeah. It's all new. Right. And um and two, we're I mean, largely dis largely disproportionately the amount of our attendance is not heart and soul and they're not in a connect group. Right. And so um mm-hmm. I, I love that quote from Zinzendorf. Um I wish I could leave I it's so long. I found that I found what the quote that I was looking for. It's like it's like three pages in, in Clint's book about um, your story can have a powerful impact on those you are leading. Do not be afraid to, to share it, especially the unsavory parts. Um, and he goes on to share like of, um, he says, my church planning journey started with eagerness. In the months leading up to our first worship service, I couldn't wait to get into the regular li- rhythms of church ministry. I was tired of talking about ministry. I just wanted to do it. Eagerness led to optimism. Our first service went great. My attendance expectations were met, and our people seemed joyful. A few even gave their lives to Christ. Everything in ministry seemed to be on track. Optimism led to surprise. As the weeks passed, attendance numbers and giving began to sag, a development that caught me off guard. In addition, people were more difficult to lead than I anticipated. Some were even critical of my leadership. Can you believe the nerve? (laughs) Surprise led to disorientation. Previously, every indicator I paid attention to confirmed what I already believed, that my church was going to be great. I honestly had not considered how I might respond if, every, if anything went wrong. I didn't know what to do. Disorientation led to disbelief. I stuck my head in the sand and pretended the problems did not exist. I told others, we're doing great. I was too prideful to seek help for the leadership and growth challenges the church was facing. This belief led to determination. When I finally admitted to myself that things were not going well, I convinced myself the problem could be solved by simply working harder. Mm. So instead of addressing my own deficiencies as a leader, I plowed through, believing things eventually would get better. I just needed to work harder and sacrifice more. Determination led to frustration. Things did not get better. My weaknesses as a leader were haunting me at every turn. I faced criticism from my team and began to believe the things they said about my incompetence. I started to abuse myself inwardly while maintaining a poker face with partners and ministry friends. Frustration led to dissatisfaction. Before long, I found myself unhappy and unmotivated. Sharing the gospel, discipling people, organizing events, and meeting with leaders became a chore. Dissatisfaction led to despair. The anger I felt seemed seeped into my soul, affecting my desire to talk to God and to, and to hear from Him. Desire that had been strong throughout my Christian life started to weaken. And he goes on, there's a lot more, but it, it's that, and that's only halfway through. Just the, the point of starting something of any substance is going to be hard. That's right. Um, that's right. It's going to be hard. That's why the bar is so high to find a fit person yeah. and for them to have been taken on a journey to, to see, um, to, to, for them to have been mauled, to be to have a journey modeled for them, for them to be able to assist, uh, for them to be able to to be watched as they do ministry, and yeah. then eventually to be kicked out of the nest to go do go do ministry. That, that's why we beat the drum of planting churches as the network so hard. Uh, it's why each of our churches prioritize raising up and equipping new leaders. Um, and I think I won't if if you know to say this on behalf of of Michael to Connection Rankin for anybody that would get a chance to hear it, um, but also to say this to um, to Connection Church Statesboro Connect Group leaders that 
equipping the saints is as concrete of a portion of a pastor's job description as preaching. That is, that is a non-negotiable in a pastor's job description. The actually going out and doing the ministry of, of sharing the gospel, making a difference in the community, that is the responsibility of the saints. Michael's responsibility, my responsibility, our pastor's responsibility is to equip the saints to go and do those things. Um, and it's inevitable that what we hope for <clears throat> is that more and more leaders, as they are being equipped, would also feel called. Um, and I think a lot of times where I fail, and I think other churches, uh, we, we all fail in this, is not giving people unprofessional reps and bites of the apple, where they have to have a position of authority before they begin to exercise influence. Yeah. When really, in that whole book that I'm, I'm reading from Clint, is about giving people unprofessional reps and room to, like Taylor, that we just had lunch right. with. like. Right. She's just in the thick of it doing ministry, and she's making a difference in people's lives. Right. Um, is she called to ministry? Yeah, she's a Christian. Yeah. Um, but yet, at the same time, like, could she be in vocational ministry? Possibly. Yeah. But she'll find that out as she does it. Right. Not sitting, you know, certainly go get in your prayer closet and hear the voice of the Lord, but also get out there and make disciples. Mm-hmm. So yep. anything else you want to say about Maul? I just think I was you were talking a minute ago. I was thinking about the people in your church, people in my church, people in churches that around the nation or the world that maybe listen to this is like <clears throat> never underestimate the impact that you can have from being obedient to serve the organism of the church. Um, and I think the faithfulness that you may exert in your local church may take your church from somewhere where it's at to where God is trying to get it to go. Mm. Um, and I think that could be as something as simple as taking out the trash, mm. something as simple as, as being obedient to be disciples so that you can make a disciple, and humbling yourself to be able to say, I don't have it all together, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm willing to be taught, and I'm willing to take a step. Mm. And I think that is where you start seeing the church take ground for the kingdom of God the way the scriptures talk about it. Mm. And I think what happens is we let our pride get in the way, we're fearful of being found out to be frauds, and so we end up using the church like a prostitute. We come and get what we want, and we leave. Mm. We come and give. We come serve. And if this our, one doesn't meet my needs, I'll go find another one. I'll go one. find another one. And mm. so it's and it becomes something where, and that's why the Romans 2 verse says, the name of God is blasting among the nations because mm. of you. The reason why the church is not taken seriously is because the church's members aren't listening to the head and isn't submissive to the head. Therefore, the church has become a handicap. Mm. And so I think if we decide, if we get it in our hearts that I'm going to serve Christ, not Christianity, I'm going to serve Christ, and I'm going to serve his church, then I think you'll have something happen in your day, in your church, in your mm. community, that will blow your mind. I think, oh, man, that's so good. I I think that... and. I, I want to say to people, if you don't, if you don't, if you can't connect the dots that serving, giving, doing evangelism, and existing in community are things that Jesus wants for your life, yes. not just what's something that the church or a pastor wants from your life, then just don't do it. Right. M- most everybody's not doing it anyway. No. But, think, go ahead. But just, I mean that. It, we don't we don't beat the drum of those things simply to pay the light bill. Right. We beat the drum of those things because we see that that is the most 
deeply held portions of Jesus's values, right. and that is where true human flourishing exists, is in those things. I want to say, too, to the, to the semi-prepared leader, I think a lot of what we talked about with Fit and with Maul has been with the person who's faithful, intentional, teachable. If you are the semi-prepared leader, you've You've done some things. You have a, you actually have a burden in your heart. I'm actually talking probably to like a, a young 21-year-old Jordan in this. <clears throat> if, if, I were, if I were talking to the semi-prepared leader, you, you feel like you've got some ministry gifts. You feel like you've got some ministry competence. If you want to know why your pastor doesn't give you more room to do more stuff, it's mm-hmm. probably the facial expression you give when you are asked to serve. That's good. When you're asked to, hey, would you take out the trash? Hey, will you help? serve at this event, hey, will you help um, usher? Will you help hold the door? Will you help do this? The look on your face and the utter disdain and pride that you exhibit on your face when a pastor asks you to serve, that's why you don't that's why you're you're being protected from leading. Right. You're being protected from leading. Yeah. Because you'll get in there and you'll make a mess of your own life and you'll make a mess of a bunch of other people's lives. Because of your own unwillingness to be fit, to be faithful, to be intentional, to be teachable. Um, and, and they are modeling for you. Your pastors are modeling for you faithful followership of Jesus. And until they can see that in your life, they're not going to allow you to lead because they want something better for your soul. They don't want you to make a mess of your marriage. They don't want you to make a mess of God's pulpit. They don't, make, they don't want you to make a mess of the reputation of the church in a community. They don't want you to become a bad witness at work. And so your ability to lead yourself with humility and your own followership of Jesus with no entitlement, with no um, selfish ambition, um, that's the pathway to leading something of substance and of meaning. So anything else you want to add to as we close out Fit and Mall? I don't think so. Good deal. Well, thanks for uh, joining us for today's Equip Conversation, Michael. I, I feel greatly encouraged and feel I'm excited about the future of the network. I'm excited to see who God raises up from within um, Connection Church Rinkin. It was cool to meet Taylor today. They just seem like just such incredible, incredible people. And um, I love what God's doing here. And uh, I love the, uh, the, the, I love our friendship. I appreciate all that you do for me and in my life. And I'm excited about the retreat. Looking forward to, to hanging out. So, um, but yeah, thank you all for joining us for another episode of Equipped. And we will catch you next time.